What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Can great sex start at 50? Tracy Cox says absolutely. The internationally best-selling author and sex expert has appeared on Oprah, CNN, and The Today Show, and infused her decades of knowledge into 17 books, including Hot Sex, How to Do It, which is available in 140 countries and has been translated into over 20 languages. Her latest book, Great Sex Starts at 50, How to Age-Proof Your Libido, is a guide for anyone who's felt challenged by changes in their sex life or desires over time, and really anyone who hopes to have awesome sex well into the future. Tracy and I spoke recently about some of the themes in this book and her mission to help others find their way back to gratifying sex something she herself experienced not long ago. Great sex starts at 50. As someone who is not yet 50, that title inspires me. So I had to ask Tracy why she chose it. Everybody has this impression that you have the best sex of your life when you're young, in your 20s, in your 30s, or or actually probably even earlier in your teens is probably when lots of people had the best sex or early 20s. And I wanted to let people know that, in fact, you can have not only good sex in in this later part of your life, but actually better sex than you had in the beginning, because sex changes as you get older. I mean, lots of things change, I think, as you get older. You get more comfortable with yourself. You know what you want. Sex can get challenging as you get older, but there are ways to overcome pretty much all of these challenges and turn sex around and make it something even better, particularly for women. Even so, many long-term relationships become sexless over time. Tracy has a whole chapter dedicated to this topic. Sexlessness isn't necessarily a bad thing, as she points out, at least not for everyone. And she's not just talking about asexual folks. The problem, Tracy says, is that too many people sort of just let sex dwindle away without ever really thinking or talking much about it. This wasn't something Tracy set out to cover in her latest book until she delved into writing it. I think the biggest shock I got when I wrote this book was how many couple friends that I know really well who are very close, they share everything, who've just quietly stopped having sex and haven't actually had a conversation about it. So sexless marriages are all around you. Believe me, if you're, you know, got a couple who've been together for a while and they're over 50 or even younger than that, lots of couples just quietly stop having sex. Now, there is nothing wrong with that. And sometimes, you know, there are many reasons why people stop having sex. Sometimes, you know, you've had loads of sex, you've been together since you were like 17, 18, you've just done it all, been there and you're just quite happy to say, you know what, we've, we've had enough now. In the book, Tracy shared research findings on this topic. In 2018, a national study showed that adults in the U.S. who reported no sexual activity at all reached an all-time high. And a report from the University of Chicago showed that nearly one quarter of adults surveyed 
hadn't had sex in the previous year, including more men than women. Tracy explores a bunch of reasons behind having less sex, including being especially busy and surrounded by technology, those darn devices always being in our hands, some folks masturbating to porn more often than having sex with another person, a lifetime of what she calls bad sex, sexual dysfunction, depression, anxiety, and more. Regardless of the reason and whether or not you wish for the sexless scenario to change, not talking about it can be problematic. It's okay to take sex off the agenda, absolutely. But you cannot not have a conversation. People get really nervous. It's like, well, I better not be too affectionate or else they'll read something into it. Or, you know, maybe if I'm too affectionate to her, she might think I want sex and that's going to be really embarrassing. So the affection stops. And if the affection stops, the relationship is over. Then you really, truly are just friends. So it's okay to have a sexist marriage. It's fine. It's not so good for you health-wise because there are lots of benefits, but you must talk about it. You really must. Before you go off to Google the definition of a sexless marriage, well, don't. You may find dated statistics that suggest that seldom having sex equals sexless, and those stats aren't helpful or accurate. Yes, it used to be that if you were a couple and you had sex less than 10 times a year, you were labeled a sexless marriage, which, you know, I know tons of couples in different stages of their life who, who have very good sex, good quality sex, you know, like they might have it for ages and then I have a spectacular session that lasts for, for hours and hours and they are absolutely affronted to be called sexless. They're not sexless. They are just people who have sex, you know, once a month because of certain, you know, reasons and maybe their libido is not that high. So I think it's very good that they They've removed that definition. And I very much promote in the book, find your normal. If you're normal, if what makes you and your partner happy is once a year, then that's perfect. You know, what's normal for you is once a day. That's perfect. All these figures are lies anyway. I think people lie in sex surveys all the time. I think she has a point. I read about a study that showed that sex researchers have less sex than the average person. And I immediately thought, you know what? They're probably just better at reporting accurate information. And some research has shown that men are more likely to round up how much sex and how many lovers they purportedly have, while women may round these numbers down. One thing Tracy really wanted to explore in her book was different ways to cope with sex-related challenges and provide ways to improve sex if desired. People with vulvas, for example, may be less interested in sex with age or at various times of life because of painful penetration. But there are many ways to have great sex without vaginal penetration and to make penetration less painful. Feeling insecure about your body or sexual dysfunction are major factors behind drops in sex too, and these are common in people of all genders not feeling great about your body, not feeling sexy anymore. And a lot of that is to do with comparing yourself again to youth, like because I don't look young and how I used to look, that must mean I'm not sexy. I always say if you're with a man who used to love sex and is over the age of 45 and just suddenly, you know, or just seems to want it less and less and less and then just doesn't even want to talk about it, it is invariably erection difficulties. I mean, that was another chapter that was fascinating writing the book, the chapter about um, men coping with, you know, aging penises and erection problems from just getting older and erection dysfunction are two totally, totally different things. But it is the biggest psychological catastrophe for any man not to get an erection. And 
it doesn't matter. You don't need an erection to have great sex. Ah, but you do. I mean, for men, sex is putting their penis in something. They really, really can't see it any other way. And, and that was really interesting to look at that. So if your partner has suddenly stopped having sex, it's probably not that they're having an affair. It's probably that they're having erection difficulties. If only one person in a relationship has lost interest in sex within a monogamous relationship, Tracy says it's important to find ways to meet the other person's needs. That made me think of the episode Mismatched Libido, Matching Love that I released a few weeks ago. I loved hearing the different ways S and C and Shan and Jim learned to navigate their very different desires. So if you're looking for some ideas, I'd go back and listen to that. Shan really exemplified this that Tracy told me. She said, if you're the partner with lower desire, keep in mind that there are other motivations for having sex. This whole thing that desire is the only motivation for sex, I think we need to move away from that because it's not the only motivation. Even if you don't want sex, you can get great satisfaction from satisfying your partner sexually because you're being generous. You're showing them love. It's affection. It's intimacy. So it's not this whole thing like, well, what am I going to get out of it? What you're going to get out of it is actually making your partner happy and keeping them happy. Do you find that people who they believe like, I don't enjoy sex anymore, I'm not interested in it, but I still want to pleasure you, I want my partner to have a good sex life. Have you found in, in speaking with people that very often once they broaden their definition of sex, that maybe they do get pleasure out of like non-penetrative sex, for example? Totally. I think when people say sex, they mean intercourse. So you will say to people, well, I'm not interested in sex anymore. And it's like, okay, would you not like a a nice massage? Would you not like to have a bath with your partner and have snogging and kissing and, you know, oh yeah, I want to do that, but just not sex. And so they don't mean sex. They generally, most of the time mean intercourse. So that's the first thing to get right. This scenario that I'm painting where people think it through, most people don't think it through. Most people think, well, my partner's not going to be interested if it doesn't involve penetration, which can be the case with some men, or they just think, they just don't think past, well, if I can't have penetration, then I'm not going to want sex because people think of sex as intercourse. This is the other thing about trying to move past thinking of of sex as having a beginning, a middle and an end and a destination. Like you've got to have an orgasm. I've got to have an orgasm. You know, it's got to start with foreplay, finish with intercourse. We all, we're very rigid in how we think about sex and how we think a good sex life should be. So the more we can move away from that and just think differently, once you change your attitude, you can change anything, I think. One thing that does not cause a drop in desire or sex is a not real phenomenon you may have heard of called lesbian bed death. It's one of those catchphrases that gets passed around and can lead folks to believe that if you are a cisgender woman who's into women, then your relationships will inevitably end up like, I don't know, two women sitting around knitting scarves or something. Not that there's anything wrong with knitting. I admire those skills big time. But yarn play instead of sexy play? That's just not something that gay women are more prone to than anyone else. I love that Tracy debunks this in her book. It's really funny, isn't it? Because almost all the research about lesbians says that they have more orgasms than straight women do, which makes sense because they've both got a clitoris. They probably know better how to touch it, how to, how to sort of treat the clitoris effectively to, to 
create an orgasm. So it's just logical that lesbians are going to have better sex. This again, it's to do with the myth that people think females don't have as a higher sex drive as men. Women do have as high a sex drive as men. It's just that they need more interesting sex to keep them interested. Like the average man would seriously have exactly the same scenario have sex exactly the same way with their partner every single time they had sex and probably not even bother about it because he generally ends up with an orgasm. Of course, being a guy or having a penis doesn't mean you won't enjoy sexy adventures. But given the hurdles that women and vulva owners face often, not because we or our bodies are perplexing, but because of things like wonky messaging and limited sex education, that quote unquote orgasm gap can be pretty real. And for many folks, orgasms are a huge reason for wanting sex, and a valid one. Yes, sex can be great without orgasm, but seriously, big O's are awesome, and we all deserve them. So to keep a female partner interested in sex, Tracy said you've got to give her a sense of adventure and eroticism. For some gals, that means what many consider naughty, kinky, or raunchy sex— For others, it's all about feeling seduced and really desired, or playing with toys, or talking about your hottest fantasies together. Another myth Tracy debunks in her book is the idea that sexless relationship concerns will sort of sort themselves out over time. Before bringing these concerns up to a partner, she recommends doing a bit of self-reflecting. So say you're the person that wants sex and your partner's gone off sex. So, so you need to sit down and think, right, okay, do I think that maybe he's just or she has just forgotten about it? Because sometimes that can happen because it just becomes a habit and then it's embarrassment that, you know, you have to turn to your partner and say, God, we haven't had sex five years. What are we going to do about it? So sometimes it can be that they actually would like to have sex, but they just need to get over that embarrassment. Then you need to be, think about specifically what do you want? What kind of sex do you want from your partner? And how are you going to feel if they turn around and say, actually, no, I don't want to recommence our sex life. I don't want to restart it. Before you go blurting out something like, you know, we don't have sex anymore. Why not? We need to talk about this. Instead of saying something like that, think it through, have some points and then say something like, you know, I just want to talk to you about something. You know, I love our relationship and I really miss the sex that we used to have. And I, can we have a conversation about getting that back on track or just why it isn't happening anymore? Really calm, non-threatening. And don't expect your partner to immediately respond, you know what, good point. Let's calmly talk this through and figure things out. They might reply like that, but Tracy said that many folks are completely surprised, especially if they haven't had sex for years, and they may react with anger or defensiveness. Well, we would have sex more often if you didn't blank or blank. But at the heart of those responses, Tracy said, is fear. So don't read too much into that. Try not to get too offended and just say, look, I just want to have a conversation, but maybe let's do it later. Should we do it later? Give them some time to think about it and then come back to it. Once you do talk about your concerns and wishes, make sure to frame them positively. It's really just saying, I love you, or I'm worried about our relationship, depending on what scenario you're in, and I would like to talk about our sex life because I really miss, miss the sex we had. So flattery will get you everywhere. Don't go in there accusing and say, you don't touch me anymore. Don't you fancy me anymore? Don't you desire me? Do you think I'm fat? You know, are you having an affair? That's obviously not going to get you anywhere at all. But if you're kind and just think about, you know, I love this person and, you know, I want to have sex with them more often, 
you know, I wonder how they're feeling about that. And if your partner still refuses to talk about it, even later, that's important information to have. And then you have to make a decision then, you know, do I want to be with somebody who's actually going to completely dismiss my sexual needs? When you might decide, yes, other things are great. I can satisfy myself, you know, by masturbating or looking at porn or whatever, or reading erotica. Or you might decide, well, that's bloody selfish and maybe, you know, the relationship's over as well. I had to ask Tracy about her own journey too, starting from early on. I'm very curious about all of this that you've learned, all of your expertise you have now. How does it contrast to what you learned about sex and relationships when you were growing up? Gosh, um, I had a bit of an interesting story, actually, because when I was growing up, my big sister was working at family planning. So she was she's four years older than me. So she was sort of bringing when everybody else was reading all the like lovely Dolly magazines and, you know, how to put lipstick on. I was being made to read, you know, how to cope with herpes and how to put on a condom. And all the kids at my school figured this out that I had a big sister there. So they would come to me and they'd say, can you ask your sister about this? And can you ask your sister about that? So I ended up you know, becoming really knowledgeable about sex through that. So that set me up for my job, I think. But the thing that affected me the most was that when I was 15, my father um, admitted that he'd been having an affair for 10 years and he left my mother to be with the woman who's now his wife. First of all, it was awful experience for all of us. But I remember just being fascinated by these big forces of love and sex. And my God, sex must be so powerful because I knew that he loved my mother. I mean, he, he obviously loved her as well. But I, to me, in my little 15-year-old brain, I saw it as a love versus sex thing. And so I've never underestimated how powerful sexual desire could be. My God, I mean, people have you know left thrones for it. It can make the sanest insane. So I'm, I have a great respect for sex in that sense. And I still do. Sex can be, it's such a small part of our lives, really, in terms of time, but it's a very big part of our lives. Very, very big. Tracy herself has not been a stranger to challenges in the sex department. That's one reason she has so much empathy for anyone struggling with issues like low desire, which she experienced with menopause. I mean, I I didn't have a great menopause. I had an awful menopause. I used to have a really high sex drive and it just fell away. I was like, this isn't going to happen to me. It was awful. So I really, and that was one of the motivations for writing this book was I thought, bloody hell, I've written, this is my 17th book. You know, I knew everything and my libido fell. So, and I was like, wow, if it's going to happen to me and I'm really knowledgeable about sex and how is everybody else going to cope? And also because I, I suppose what I do and working from home, I just, I used to like at least masturbate once a day, which I think is the secret to a good sex drive is if you give your body lots of orgasms, your body craves orgasms. And that's what happened with my desire was that suddenly I thought, oh my God, I haven't got my vibrator out for like months. I didn't go off sex. I forgot about sex. So then I had to go, okay, right. All right. Don't panic. It just means that you know, desire is not going to tap me on the shoulder anymore. It means I have to create it. Therefore, then you just think, okay, well, what makes me feel sexy? Watching a sexy film, reading a sexy book, um, you know, getting myself halfway there with a vibrator before I get in bed with, with my husband. Accepting that I'm not going to feel spontaneously turned on anymore, well, not all the time anyway, and it's not my partner's job to turn me on either. It's my job to turn myself on. And that changed everything, I think. 
and also knowing that it's normal it was like oh okay so it's got nothing to do with my relationship it's got nothing to do with me this is just what happens it's hormones hormones it's a thing they just trickle away and you can't do anything about it and so tracy said you look at sex from a different direction for her vaginal penetration is painful she said vaginal pessaries have helped they're basically devices you insert that support areas of the pelvis. She and her husband have also switched to other types of sex, such as oral most of the time. I mean, I've got a partner who doesn't mind about that. and We live with that and work outside the square. And the sex is, I have to say, in lots of ways better because of that. I loved hearing that. I totally believe that sex challenges can spur creativity and end up broadening our sexual repertoires, so to speak. Tracy sprinkled lots of true stories and experiences from many different people throughout Great Sex Starts at 50. I asked her to share what struck her most about people's commentary when she approached them about these topics. I was really struck, apart from people not talking about not having sex, but by how much it isn't about what you look like or what's actually happening. It's all about perception. It is all in the head. All the people who said, I hate aging, you know, my my body doesn't look the same, you know, my breasts are down around my waist and I've got stretch marks and who would ever want to sleep with me? And why, you know, why would I ever want to have sex again? I don't look the way I did. All of those people, surprise, surprise, having rubbish sex or having no sex at all. The women who said, I don't look the same, you know, than I did, but I actually still think I look sexy. So I don't really care what anyone else thinks. And my husband thinks I'm sexy. So that's all that I care about. I couldn't care less if I look older or you look young. They're the people who are having great sex. Now, the people who are complaining about not looking the same probably looked 20 times better than the ones that thought they didn't. So it doesn't matter what you actually look like. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, the big sex kitten and look great on Instagram or whether you're one of these people that looks like a librarian. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's nothing to do with looks. So that was just reinforced big time. If you want to experience great sex now and throughout the rest of your life, Tracy said to remember that it is all about attitude. If you really want to have great sex until you're 90, you will have great sex. You will find a way to get past all of the challenges. You really will, because it's all about wanting to. But if you are looking for excuses to get out of it or just never really like sex that much, then, you know, aging is going to come along and it's going to be a gift to you. It's going to be, well, look at that. Got a dry vagina. (laughs) Can't have sex with a dry vagina. That was fascinating to me. It is all about the brain and the attitude. If you change your attitude, then you can change anything. Learn more about Tracy Cox at tracycox.com or click the link down in the show notes. Now it's time for Dr. Megan Fleming's pleasure pick of the month. She put together a really fun pleasure bundle and it's really inspired by Tracy Cox and her work. For our inaugural Pleasure Picks of the Month Spotlight, I am so excited to reveal what can best be described as a pleasure bundle. Inspired by Tracy Cox, who has worked with Love Honey to create some amazing products, I can assure you it was difficult to narrow them down. But here they are, my top five foundational pleasure picks. For more details and discounts and links to purchase, you can go to my website, greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure picks. 
My first pick, of course, is Tracy's book, Great Sex Starts at 50, Age-Proof Your Libido and Transform Your Sex Life. I know that's a tall order for a book, but I can tell you this book really does deliver and has it all. She's going to show you how to arouse yourself and your partner, regain your passion, navigate your relationship issues, and create the perfect conditions for amazing sex. All I can say is yes, please. And thank you, Tracy. My second pick is, of course, no surprise to Girl Boners listeners because it is a personal favorite. The Fascinator Liberator Waterproof Blanket. Arousal starts with relaxation, and what better way to create the conditions for great sex than laying out a blanket that says, playtime is about to begin. And beyond the symbolism of this blanket, what I love most is that it's washable. Great sex can be messy, whether that's lube, massage oil, squirting, or all the above. And you can relax and let go knowing all you have to do is throw your blanket in the wash. No changing of sheets necessary. And bonus points because no one has to sleep in the wet spot. My third pick is Tracy's Arousal Orgasm Gel. If you haven't tried an arousal gel before, I can say Tracy's is definitely worth trying. Just like lubrication decreases time to orgasm, arousal gel, well, it adds a nice warm sensation that heightens sensitivity and adds to your pleasure. Next up, number four, the rechargeable vibrating rabbit. This is a must-have vibrator as it offers both exploration of G-spot and clitoral stimulation at the same time. Tracy's version is made with velvet smooth silicone, which envelops a layer of marshmallow soft liquid silicone. It molds to your body, and one of the biggest turn-ons is seeing your partner turned on. So this vibrator is perfect for before play, sort of before your partner comes home, or to use together. And last but not least, number five, the Super Sex Couples Sex Kit. Because when you're exploring toys with your partner, Tracy's kit is a perfect one for getting started and includes three of the most popular couple sex toys, the vibrating cock ring with rabbit ears, the remote control vibrating egg, and a clitoral vibrator. These are three great toys. And as two thirds of women need external clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm with penetrative sex, these toys might be exactly what you're looking for. So whether you choose one, some, or all, I know you'll get so much pleasure from this month's picks. And remember, when trying something new with your partner, my two tips are introducing the new toys when your partner's already highly aroused, and of course, try, try again. So just a reminder, all the details of these products and how to purchase them can be found on my website, All in One Place. Again, that's greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure picks. And a bonus, a giveaway, if you follow me on Instagram and like my post, you're going to be entered to win Tracy's Rabbit Vibrator. As always, here's to your pleasure. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I hope you will all enter her Instagram giveaway. You have one week to do so starting today. So between March 10th and March 17th. I want to offer a huge thanks to my patrons. You are currently allowing me to make my show more accessible by affording me to have somebody help me get lightly edited transcripts up on my blog. 
If you would like to join us for some really fun extras, including bonus segments, Ask Me Anything prize drawings, and more, head to patreon.com forward slash girlboner. You can also support the show by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast app and letting your friends know about it. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.